Hello everyone, this is Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine and your host for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Gina Newman, who goes by the name Brooklyn. She's a member of the Leather and Lace Motorcycle Club, a women's only MC founded in 1983. Although Leather and Lace MC is a patch club, it is by no means an outlaw club. Its mission is to support and promote sisterhood amongst its members, to ride together, and to work as a club to raise funds for charitable organizations that support children and families. Brooklyn is a member of Leather and Lace's Midway crew, which includes members in Virginia and Maryland. In October, the Midway crew hosted a poker run and the proceeds went to Bethany House of Northern Virginia, which provides a safe haven for victims of domestic violence. In this episode, Brooklyn and I discuss the history of Leather and Lace MC, which celebrates its 40th anniversary in 2023. We also talk about the stigma that faces patch clubs, the profiling of motorcyclists, and the importance of sharing knowledge about protective gear, riding etiquette, and safety to new riders. Stay tuned for another great episode of the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast, and thanks for listening. Brooklyn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. So you're a member of the Leather and Lace Motorcycle Club, which is a women's club that was founded in 1983. So it sounds like you guys have your 40th anniversary is going to be coming up next year. We do. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your club? Sure. We're a sisterhood of women who span the globe, primarily United States and Canada, some in the UK and others in other places, but we just love to ride together. We have a couple of big events every year. One of them is the third weekend in September where we're all kickstands up at, you know, the same time all over the globe. And we don't all get to see each other all the time, obviously, because of geography, but we're all at least riding together. Right. So that's like a synchronized ride. You all leave at the same time, depending on wherever you are. Is that how it works? Yep. So could you tell us a little bit about, you know, the woman who founded your club and sort of what prompted, you know, the founding of Leather and Lace Motorcycle Club? So our founder is a very brilliant and fierce woman. Prior to 1983, uh, she was married to a man who uh, also rode. And she realized that there wasn't a lot of women who did ride, but she knew of a few. And her goal was to find other women to ride with, but also to help women and children in the process. So that's our mission. That's what we raise funding for when we are doing our fundraising is women and children's charities. So how does the, we'll get to the riding part, but how does the fundraising uh, part of your club work? Do you hold events, uh, type of fundraisers? We do. We hold lots of events, anything from digital raffles all the way to, um, you name it, poker runs. We recently did a poker run in the uh, D.C., Virginia, Maryland area. I know that the chapter down in Alabama just did the Booby Bike Show poker run for their charity. They do another one um, every year for children, typically the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I believe. And that's what we do. Um, we personally... Um, in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, we work with Bethany House and we raise funds for them. They are a women and children's shelter who deal with domestic violence and rehabilitation. Well, that's a that's a great mission. I know you're probably quite familiar that, you know, it seems like motorcyclists are very good about coming together to support uh, good causes. There's the Ride for Kids for the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. Um, there are various other organizations and events that, uh, you know, Toys for Tots over, uh, in the holidays and things like that. So that's great that that's been part of your mission since the early days. Thank you. 
Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about, so like you said, you've got chapters in different parts of the United States. You said Canada and even over in Europe. Do the chapters, uh, you know, they support sort of individual charities? Do they sort of operate somewhat independently? I'm just not familiar with how your club is sort of organized. Certainly. Um, Every crew or chapter, depending on the organization um, or the amount of people that are in that area, um, kind of figure out who they want to support. Ultimately, the overall and overarching goal is women and children, and we don't support, not to say we don't support, but as far as like a national charity goes, there's not one particular charity that any individual or um, the group as a whole supports. It's it's really localized, if you will. So uh, how long have you been a member? Not long enough. Yeah, not long enough. (laughs) So in terms of your organization, I know that, you know, for example, the, the Motorcycle Industry Council, they have uh, statistics about motorcycle ownership over the years. And uh, in 1990, only about 6% of motorcycle owners were female. Um, but as recently as 2018, 19% of motorcycle owners were female. So I know it's it's still, you know, skewed more male than female, but now one in five uh, motorcycle owners is, is female. Since your organization's been around for almost 40 years, have you seen, you know, growth in interest in joining your organization, or have you noticed a growth in in the number of female motorcyclists at events and things like that? Absolutely. I mean, there we absolutely support the fact that one in five motorcycle owners are women now. It's fantastic, and we love to go to the events that we do go to and see other women who are riding, whether they're you know with another organization or whether riding independently. We entirely support that and we invite really anybody who's on two wheels or three, perhaps some, depending on their situation, to join us for our spirit ride that we do annually and to anything that we do within our little localities um, that we're located in. We think it's absolutely great. And quite frankly, I mean, some of the girls are running, you know, bigger bikes than some of the fellas, which is amazing. Well, so uh, when you mentioned the spirit ride, is that the one where members from different chapters around the world where you ride on on the same day or is that a different event? That is the spirit ride and we're all together in spirit, but we do invite really any woman on wheels who wants to join us on the ride to join us. Great. So is Leather and Lace, is it an organization that you're open to new members? You're actively, you know, seeking new members to sort of grow your organization? I mean, because you have a a mission of not just, you know, a charitable mission, but also a a mission of of sisterhood, of of riding together and, and, you know, having a, enjoying the motorcycle lifestyle together. Um, I wouldn't say that we're actively seeking people, but we are always open for membership. We don't go out and recruit other women to join Leather and Lace MC, because that's just not the way that we operate. If there is a woman who hangs out, you know, fairly often with us and decides that she wants the bonds that we all possess with each other, then they're they're welcome to apply for membership and go through the processes that um, are you know, required to become a member. And, and that's great. We highly encourage that, but we certainly don't go seeking it. Right, right. Well, I know on your website that you draw a distinction between a riding club and a motorcycle club, whereas a riding club is, you know, tends to be mostly just focused on people getting together to go for a ride, but there's maybe not much of a commitment, whereas a motorcycle club is a more involved membership. Becoming a membership is more of an involved process, but then also the expectations of members. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Well, I can't really get too deep into the finer details because every organization certainly is structured differently. And that's just, you know, what's on the website is what's on the website as far as that goes. But, you know, there's there's a sisterhood involved here, right? Like we're women that care about each other. There are sisters who, you know, if they need something, like there are sisters that get on the road and go. If somebody loses a family member, we're on the road and we go. If there's a natural disaster that hits, we are on the road and we are packing somebody and moving them to a better situation and, and we're making it happen versus, you know, a riding club, it's not as organized, right? So they kind of put out their information and whoever shows up, shows up and it's all right, I'll see you next time when the next ride you know, comes out. And, and that's not the case with us. You know, we get together, we enjoy each other's time. We're, you know, out doing things and going places. It's not just riding motorcycles. It's an overall like real like support network. Sure, sure. You know, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I know that you've, uh, again, your organization has been around for almost 40 years. You know, most of your members in the United States, you've got, I also read on your website, you've got an international clubhouse down in Florida. Do you have national meetings or, or gatherings at a place like that? Is that kind of a, a an open gathering space for your members? Our clubhouse is our home base, right? So our national meeting happens every year and everyone converges on the clubhouse for a full week, typically, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less because people have kids and lives and, you know, things that they're handling. But it's an event that we have every year, um, typically coincides with um, Daytona Bike Week, which is typically the second full week in March. Um, The Thursday of that bike week, we do an open house. So all are welcome um, to our home. And we have food and the bike rodeo and the bike show and games and, you know, raffles, music, you name it. It's just a big party to celebrate our birthday every year and all are invited. But we are really excited for the 40th anniversary. And we've got plenty of things planned for that. Awesome. Yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, you know, like I said, you did you say you're based in the Maryland, D.C. area? I am in the DMV area. So um, I'm part of the Midway crew okay. and the Midway crew spans from Maryland all the way down to the end of Virginia, including D.C. And so, you know, again, I know with some organizations that get together with regular rides, but do you have certain events that you plan for every year in terms of the charitable events that may be certain times of year that you you know, like I said, sometimes there's things that are tied to Christmas or there's some things that are tied to other events. Sure. So um, we support Bethany House during the holiday months. Uh, we'll go ahead and we adopt a family and um, they give us a list of wishes and wants and we do our best to fulfill it and then some. So that's like our, our winter quarter. The first quarter of the year, we typically try to spend some time um, and donate time, right? So that's, you know, either cooking a dinner and and serving the families and getting them into like some semblance of normal that's like not, you know, typically, you know, locked away in a safe house um, because they are domestic violence victims. Um, But that's something that we like to do. In addition, the second quarter of the year, we'll typically try to raise money through either a digital raffle or maybe just a bunch of the girls will get together and we'll go drop a few hundred bucks at the dollar store, um, and then some, who knows, um, <laughs> we come up with all kinds of, you know, fun things and, um, just, you know, pack them with cleaning supplies and toilet paper and paper towels. Some of the necessities that like are really kind of overthought when people are 
donating to charity. And then um, this last year, we did our um, very first poker run for them, which was quite successful. And, you know, all the proceeds of that went to Bethany House. Great, great. Well, you know, again, I think what your, you know, the charitable efforts of your organization really demonstrate is that, you know, there are people that even the basic needs that we take for granted, it's, you know, if, if people are in challenging circumstances in their life, like I said, if they're in a domestic violence shelter, uh, there may be other unfortunate circumstances they've dealt with, is that for, you know, folks to band together and to either adopt a family or to provide some uh, basic necessities, oh, it makes a huge impact on people's lives. So that's, that's to be commended for all of your efforts. Yeah. Well, like I say, you know, I know that's that's an original part of your organization's mission. Uh, it's not, you know, just the social or sisterhood component of having a club, but it's to actually, you know, it's not just safety in numbers, but it's like the multiplying effect of multiple people, what you can do when you get together for a poker run or an event like that. So that's great. I realize that, you know, you're because you're a members organization, what you would be doing for the 40th anniversary, it's not like a big rally or event that you would just be trying to promote. We definitely everyone, are but, looking forward um, to all anniversary. Are you looking forward to some 40th anniversary festivities? I mean, turning 40 for anybody is a big deal, but <laughs> turning 40 for a motorcycle club and a women's motorcycle club at that is a really big deal. And there's a lot of rich history in the motorcycle community, and we're really blessed to be a part of it. And the fact that our founders fought so hard for it in what used to be such a male-dominated activity, as you described before, we are really looking forward to celebrating that not only with each other, but with everybody who chooses to join us. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So when you, uh, in your part of the country, I mean, I know that uh, I'm out in Southern California, so we're pretty blessed with having year-round riding, but I know that there's can be a riding season uh, for folks in, in Northern climates. Is Do you have a, any organized rides coming up between now to kind of before the riding season? Well, you know, um, our rule of thumb is if there's not salt on the street, it's definitely rideable. Um, right. And we will ride year long as long as the street doesn't have salt on it. Luckily, where we're at, um, it doesn't snow quite a bit as much as some other parts of the country. But, you know, a heated vest and, you know, some heated gloves and maybe some heated grips will yeah. get us through. Um, as far as an organized ride goes, we organize rides with each other all the time, not necessarily big rally rides sure. or, you know, big group rides, but oh, that's what we do is we mm -hmm. ride together. Well, you know, you make a, make a good point about things like the heated grips and heated apparel that can really be a game changer to extend your riding season, even if it's just cold and there's not snow on the ground. But I actually lived in Philadelphia for a few years and it got pretty cold up there, but Similar to the D.C. area, you know, Northern Virginia area, it didn't really snow very much, but it got pretty cold and bitter. And so definitely have to bundle up for that. So one of the things that, you know, when, when you're riding with other people uh, is the idea of group safety when it comes to riding. Because so when you have members that uh, or prospective members, people that ride with you, do you how do you sort of work with them to know sort of what the etiquette of riding with your group is? Because I know it kind of differs from group to group. Some of them are real hang loose. Some of them are a little bit more structured to make sure that, you know, uh, like I said, it's either safety in numbers or it's just to make sure that they you can expect what other uh, people you're riding with are going to do. That's a really great question, actually. Typically, if somebody, let's say, wants to come hang out with the Midway crew, right, they may have reached out to the Midway crew 
on their own through Facebook or through whatever other avenues, or they may have just run into me in the street and been like, holy crap, you're a girl on a bike and I need to like hang out with you. <laughs> you know, typically that'll, you know, lead down the path of, all right, let's go for a ride and maybe we'll go for another ride. And then that'll turn into, well, where's the rest of your people at? And I'll be like, well, come on, let's go meet them. And at that point I've ridden with somebody a time or two to know that they're capable of, of riding safely in the group. And we're also very um, cognizant of the fact that there's a lot of women getting on bikes for the very first time or not necessarily for the first time, but they're newer. They're not as seasoned riders. And we never expect anybody to ride outside of their comfort zone. And we do truly believe in riding, not down to somebody's level, but to a assist somebody in writing within their comfort zone and not feeling like they're unsafe or feeling left out. So right. if we know that you're a new rider, well, I mean, we, we do, you know, go maybe five over the speed limit or whatever it is to, you know, stay in the flow of traffic. We don't want to be unsafe motorcycle riders on the road, but we're certainly not taking you in a 45, you know, mile an hour zone and acting like jerks because we don't ride that way either. Right, right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, that's just an interesting thing about the United States is that uh, many states have, say, a motorcycle safety foundation basic rider course. I know it kind of differs state to state. Requirements to get a license differ. Whether or not you're required to wear a helmet differs. And so, you know, for some people is especially if you go through a motorcycle safety foundation course, you know, that takes place, at least the, the basic course takes place in a parking lot. So you essentially are qualified to ride in a parking lot and the riding tests to get most, uh, you know, motorcycle endorsements are parking lot, you know, tests. So, and it's making that gradual, or it's making that, trans sometimes it's not very gradual, that transition to actually riding out in traffic. So new people that you would ride with or prospective members can learn a lot from your more experienced riders. So I imagine that's part of why, you know, not only if you have fellow female riders who are like, hey, I would like to ride with other females, you know, but it's just a sort of, it's like that kind of tribal knowledge. Like we've been riding for a long time and you can kind of share that with some other people. Some people are open to it. Some people aren't, but, you know, I think that's, that's a role that, uh, you know, riding group, responsible riding groups can play. I agree with you. I mean, just, you know, as we were speaking, um, you know, I, there was a girl that ran up on me at a local event holy crap, I heard about you. I didn't know you guys really existed until I saw what you were wearing. Let's go for a ride. And as you have it, you know, a couple of rides later and, you know, here she is. She's a member of Leather and Lace MC. She was a new rider at the time. And as far as new goes time-wise, she's still a little bit new, but let me tell you, she can ride. <laughs> and it just took, you know, a, a couple of comfortable rides with a couple of comfortable people that she felt safe with to really get in that groove of riding safely in a pack and not riding outside your limits, but pushing them and uh, learning a couple things along the way, like your stock seat might not be the best seat for your, your back, right? And right, right. a couple of adjustments here or there tinkering with your bike will make it worlds of differently comfortable for you. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I know that that's kind of how, I mean, again, with motorcycling, you know, as I work, of course, work for a magazine. So we know that we have some, sometimes some instructional articles or things on our website, but at the same time, most of the people that read our magazine are already experienced motorcyclists. So we don't want to talk down too much to them, but at the same time, they have to learn from somewhere. And 
learning from YouTube or Instagram may not be, or TikTok may not be the best way to learn how to ride safely or comfortably, or, you know, uh, have some skills. So yeah, that's something as, as fellow motorcyclists, we're always have the opportunity to sort of share what we know with other riders, if, especially the new ones. Cause I mean, I'm sure you know it as much as anyone else is the number of new motorcyclists is something that has not really been growing that, you know, we have, you always want to have the younger generation, but you know, some people that are 16 years old, they don't even get their driver's license. They're, they're happy to have their iPhone or something like that. (laughs) I mean, we need people to be interested in the excitement and joy of riding more so than being into the latest, like I said, TikTok trend or something. Certainly. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. I would love to see some younger people getting on motorcycles. You know, we, we were young and wild and crazy back in the day. We got on dirt bikes and just went. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, some of us weren't so bright and like, you know, went from a dirt bike to a motorcycle and just got on the road and there we went. And we're, you know, luckily we're still alive. Yeah. But we do have some great resources within the club for that. Um, our national road captain, she is incredible. She is a very experienced rider, many, many years, has ridden every type of bike under the sun. She is such a thirsty rider that when her bike was down, she wants to go test ride other bikes just to go ride. <laughs> um, seriously, like she'd be like, oh, I'm going to go to Ducati and test ride a Ducati today because I made some wins. But she's a total gearhead too. So right. she is such a fantastic resource because I can call her and say, hey, road captain, what do you think about these boots? What do you know about them? And she'll be like, no, no, no. Like those are faux uppers. You don't want those. Because if you go down in them, you know, they're going to tear completely off your feet. There's another style just like this that's constructed much more appropriately, et cetera. And she's a firefighter EMT. So she knows what she's talking about. Right, right, right. Exactly. So one of the things I'm curious about is, uh, you know, uh, your organization, like I said, if you're a full member of the club, you have a patched jacket. Is that correct? That is correct. So, you know, I know that just as a motorcyclist myself is there's this kind of like general society view of motorcyclists and then what motorcyclists know, uh, you know, is that there's this always been this kind of bad or rebel image is that do you and your fellow members struggle with some of the stigma in being at an events or from general public or something like that? Clearly, because of what your mission and organization is about is not about being, you know, an outlaw, but is that that's still a sort of a an image or stigma that a lot of motorcyclists get? Is that a problem? I think that it's a problem for anybody who wears a vest, whether there's a patch on it or not, right? I see plenty of people out on the road who don't have patches on their vests. And I think if you're on a motorcycle and you're wearing a vest, there's probably some profiling going on. And actually, um, one of the sisters who happens to um, have been in the club for quite some time, she does a lot of close work with the motorcycle profiling project. And they are incredible about sending out surveys and getting letters to congressmen and changing laws and changing the way that motorcyclists in general, let alone those of us who are bikers. But yeah, there's resources for that in the club too. And we are certainly making the moves that we need to make, showing up to wherever we need to show up to make sure our voice is heard on behalf of all motorcyclists. Right, right. Well, I know it particularly, I mean, since you're in the DC area, is that some cities, you know, that's where there can be motorcycle only checkpoints and organizations like the American Motorcyclist Association are trying to outlaw things like that because it's it unfairly discriminates against motorcyclists. So, you know, you uh, being a member of an organization, 
organization, uh, you know, a motorcycle club that has a lot of members, a lot of chapters is you've got a, there's, you know, a louder voice in numbers than it is as individual motorcyclists. So, well, Brooklyn, I really appreciate, you know, you sharing some of your experience with your organization, you know, what your, your mission is. Uh, is there anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners about either leather and lace, about, uh, you know, motorcycling in general? Just enjoy the wind, enjoy each other, be kind to each other and keep riding. Great, great. Well, uh, can we direct folks to the Leather and Lace website if that's if they're interested in learning more about your organization? There may be some, you know, riders who would, might be interested in potentially joining. Certainly, we welcome anybody to come visit our website, fill out an inquiry form. Somebody will be in contact. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. We're even featured in some stuff on Nat Geo. Great. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're all over the place. Please come, you know, reach out. Great. Well, thanks again for your time, Brooklyn. And uh, we'll make sure we'll have some links in the show notes uh, to your social media pages to the website for Leather and Lace Motorcycle Club. So for the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast, thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit ridermagazine.com where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Rider Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.